HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, road trippers, you have indeed reached Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits in rural Mexico. But before we can take off on this week's road trip, we need to fill up the tank, which is code for pay the bills, which is code for run the commercials for the folks who are enabling us to go on these agave road trips. So sit back and Chava and I will circle back to you in a second. This week on Meat and 3, we're turning an eye to food at its trickiest, from imitation olive oil to the pretensions of 3D printers. We were just doing like a birthday party for one of the employees and we printed a steak just for fun. You know, a grape Jolly Rancher isn't going to satisfy your craving for, for grapes. So, I mean, in a sense, it kind of multiplies the, the sensory qualities that we can love in the world. So basically you culture the cell, in a bioreactor, it grows, and then ultimately at the end, you come out with a piece of meat. Tune in to Meat in 3, available wherever you listen to podcasts. Lou, why did you send me all these notes about werewolf legends in Mexico? Well, I'm looking for an angle for the ad for Monte Lobos Mezcal Artisanal, our sponsor for this episode of Agave Road Trip. But I don't think their brand has anything to do with werewolves, Lou. This is Ivan Saldana's baby. Dr. Ivan Saldanians, mind you. How about we rather focused on how he leveraged his unique knowledge of the chemical structure of the agave plant to develop a line of mezcals that reflect the nature of the plant itself? Well, yeah, sure, that's cool. But did you know that sometimes the werewolf is presented as a guardian spirit that resides in animals like lions, deer, and jaguars? Maybe, maybe there's something in that, you know, like Monte Lobos Mezcal, the guardian spirit. Or we could talk about how they use artisanal methods to make their whole line, like cooking the agave in conical underground brick pit ovens, fermented in the wild yeast in open five wood bats, and distilling the copper pot steels with direct wood fire. Hmm, you know, other times though, the werewolf, the werewolf is a human who transforms himself to hurt other people and steal chickens and corn. Yeah, sure. Or we could mention that Monte Lobos has Espadina and Pechuga expressions that come from Oaxaca and the Tobalan and Sample expressions from Puebla. You know, werewolves don't really get a lot of play in Mexican legends, not as much as, say, uh, the Chupacabra. People love those blood-sucking goat killers. You think, you think they'd be willing to change their name? No, Lou, I don't. 
What I think is this episode of Agave Road Trip is sponsored by Montelobos, an artisanal mezcal born from centuries of ancient mezcalero craft and enlightened by the methodical pursuit of true perfection. If you want to know more, visit montelobos.com. And if you want to keep your goats safe from chupacabras, sprinkle Montelobos around your ranch. I am Lou Bank. I am Chava Perivan. And this is Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders better understand agave, agave, spirits, and rural Mexico. Chava. So so the last, the previous, our previous episode. Yes. In which we discussed how is it possible the plant, that agave plants, make pulque when you haven't cooked the agave, right? That was really just a setup, in my opinion, anyway. <laughs> Just a setup for this episode. In your agenda, and your very personal agenda, Lou, because I can yes. never just talk to you about stuff. You're always calculating right. behind the scenes. I'm very, is it Mandalorian? Machiavellian. Mach- Mandalorian. So <laughs> Jesus yes. Christ, Lou. Stop watching that yeah, much. Not, it's not Jesus Christ either. So um, uh, we had, you and I had a conversation that I found fascinating. You suggested, you had suggested at one point that maybe there was a way to make the diffuser, this is going to make people freaking nuts, <laughs> to make the diffuser the most appropriate way to convert agave into alcohol. Well, no, no, no. What, yeah, yes, I guess that, that'll be the, how that, what, what I said could be understood. But, uh, you know, what is artificial? Sure, how I understood it. Well, like, I, I think this conversation should start with the notion of artificiality or artificial. What is artificial and what is natural? What is artificial and what is natural? How do you mean? So I think usually in, in people's minds or imagination, artificial, it's something that shouldn't exist in nature, but needs humans to happen. And then huh. natural stuff, it just naturally happens, Right. Uh, so it's sort of, it's sort of the theory behind, like, how, how did people start making wine? Well, the grapes just got really old on the vine and it naturally turned to wine. Correct. And in the agave spirits world specifically, natural, it's understood as something far more desirable than artificial. In other areas, artificial, it's, uh, it's understood to be more desirable. Think about electronics, think about engines. Do you want to go as far as you can from natural stuff because that's less uh, efficient or less fast or whatever. So the car that they made on Gilligan's Island will not travel as fast as a Porsche is what you're saying. That is my understanding right now. And the internal combustion uh, engine in a Porsche might be slightly more efficient, but I'm not tremendously sure of this. (laughs) (laughs) Then, then the coconut engine on Gilligan's Island. Got it. Okay. Keep going. So uh, in, in that way, Heritage and tradition supposedly are the closest to natural processes that there can be. You have wild fermentation, you you have milling by hand, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to breaking these long chains of sugars to make fermentable sugars, to make, uh, you you break the polymers to create monosaccharides that humans and goats and cows and (laughs) yeast can eat and process and make alcohol. Just call it stuff. Once you state, like, all those words get so confusing. Once you make the stuff that is not edible by the goats and the humans, 
once you convert it into stuff that is consumable by goats and humans. Well, there is a enzyme that makes that possible. And again, we're talking with Ivan about pulque. And in our last episode, we just referred to an enzyme. And I would like to roll Ivan's quote about this enzyme that is, I think, the basis of my argument. Not even the agave plant can actually take benefit of these sugars unless they are breaking down into fructose. For that, you need an enzyme called fructoexohydrolase. Uh, for building these sugars, you need uh, fructosyl transferase. It's complex and you have different types depending on which carbon they are connecting. So basically, they connect fructose molecules. But fructoexohydrolase has the quality. They typically work only on, on the extreme. Imagine a super huge molecule. They will only work on the tips. It's a ramificated molecule. So you have one thing going this way. Like imagine these are like a ten, multiple tentacles of the same molecule. But just as the, at the tip or every tip of that molecule, the fructoexohydrolase will be able to break down and produce fructose. And that enzyme is fundamental because even if you have these very sophisticated type of metabolisms and you will have certain regions in the plant where you can actually break down these sugars, which is typically exactly the same places where you can build up these sugars. So fructans are mostly built up in the false theme of agaves or, or the pine that is this conjunction of the bases of the leaves, but it's not uh, a specific tissue. It's, it's just like a, a, this weird central part with water and sugar in there. So that has a really intense fructose transferase activity, so building of sugars, polymers, but at certain moments, a really strong fructoexohydrolase activity, which is breaking down those sugars. Okay, so that was Dr. Ivan Saldana, who is the founder, uh, creator, developer, I don't know what you call it, of um, Monte Lobos Mezcal, of Ancho Reyes, which is my favorite liqueur, maybe one, of, maybe my favorite spirit, if I'm being honest. And oh, I come on. don't have to be honest because I'm a man. Um, and also now he's got the, the lines, uh, Nixta and Abasolo Whiskey, Nixta Corn Liqueur, Abasolo Whiskey. Yeah, that's, that's, that's Ivan. Cool. When I listen to this stuff, I, I get the chills. I, I, I can't. You know, when I listen to this stuff, I start to take a nap. I like, I, it's too much information. Oh, no. I know it is. It's too much information for my little head. No, like just, I, you know how there are some things that, you know, exist, but until people describe them at detail, it just hits you that that is happening the way it does. And, and you just, no. like, it, it just surpasses your imagination. Anyway. Nope. Okay, well, that's what I feel with okay. this kind of stuff. <laughs> See, it, it actually felt to me like a left-hand turn. I thought you were going to give me a quote that supported your argument that the the way, the, the, the more uh, appropriate way to uh, convert an agave, the fructans and agave, uh, into fermentable sugar so that you can make an agave spirit, that the more appropriate way would be the diffuser. And I don't get how that quote nah. leads to that argument, supports that argument. I, I guess you're misunderstanding how I'm building my argument. Uh, when I was saying this thing about natural, what I was, uh, I, I don't expect anybody to believe what I say. 
So I need to support right. what I'm saying. And yeah. so like th- that, that's, I think, why it's so important. Uh, this quote is so important. And what he's saying, basically, is the agave, it's tremendously smart and elegant, if I can use that word about a plant. And it's using this enzyme, fructoexohydrolyse. I made it. I can say it. Uh, <laughs> Could you say that three times fast? No, I can't. No, not backwards. So don't mess we'll with just, me, we'll put that. We'll put, we'll put that on the web page for people. That's a long word. Yes. And you can you can draw one of them. Anyway, keep going. So that is the enzyme that it's breaking the long chains of sugars for the agave itself to be able to use those sugars. That's how this process happens in nature. The agave is not building a lot of heat to break these chains. So when a mescalero or a tequilero uses heat to break these chains, it's just taking advantage of the fragility of that bond that also happens to be fragile in front of heat. But that's the most artificial way in which you can possibly break that bond. The most natural it's the way... Most, it's the most artificial way. I, I will say so because it's the less recurrent way in which it happens in nature. Oh. oh. Without humans, it wouldn't happen. Exactly. So, and, and this is why my, my buildup for natural versus artificial was important, I guess. But so the most natural or, or the way you could mimic the agave the most will be in, and I, I found an article that I, I think it was like $40 for 10 pages, so I wouldn't go there. Uh, and, and, and if anybody <laughs> here has access to Springer or all these extremely expensive databases and wants to share their... By anybody, you mean our road trippers. Yes. Please, uh, you want to share your credentials with me? I know this is sensitive <laughs> credentials. Please share them with me. Uh, anyway, so I, I found this article, which actually was speculating about this, a diffuser that will use the exact same enzyme, fructoexohydrolyse, that the agave uses to break the long chains of sugars to make it digestible. And I think in most agave spirits' purists' mind, this is some science terrible trick. But it's the closest you get to mimic the agave. Well, it would be if people were actually using in their diffusers this long-named enzyme that I can't <laughs> remember the name of. Right? But they're not. They're using other acids. So they're 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 taking something that wouldn't naturally occur. Like the plant's not going to naturally shred itself, and the plant's not going to go find hydraulic acid. Yes, but if somebody wrote an article about this, there's people already speculating about this. And my understanding is that it's far easier to adapt to the diffuser to do this because the, what mm-hmm. the diffuser is basically spraying stuff on top of chopped agave. So and it can be any stuff. It can be any stuff. So you already have an application mechanism that's optimized to do this very well. And you just have to substitute whatever nasty stuff they're using to spray on top of the agave with this very natural enzyme that could be synthesized and it's absolutely not natural, but it resembles so much what the agave is doing. Can I speculate on something else here? Of course I can, because <laughs> you don't have the pause button. So here's a theory is you could do that, but it's not going to taste the way or smell the way that we want our agave spirits to taste and smell because in essence, you are now, um, uh, the, when you cook the agave in this underground oven or you steam it, right, the enzymes are still in that plant. And so they are going to, the cooked versions of those enzymes are going to uh, 
show up in the ferment and then the distillation as flavors and aromas. Nah. Like it's one of those molecular elements. It doesn't just disappear. Something happens to it. Yeah, but I wouldn't say, I, I wouldn't think that they're tremendously significant in flavor profile. But what I, what I will say though, it's, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to absolutely dismiss what you just said. <laughs> I just I, I completely disagree with you. That that was sort of my version of dismissal, but I guess I'm teaching you. So good. That's good. Keep going. No, no, no. I, I think there's some spirits makers that are already doing uh even what would be the the natural, natural way, which is fermenting aguamiel and distilling it. Sure. So you've heard a lot of stories about distilled pulque. Yeah, and I've had that. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Which tends to be delicious. And it has a tremendously different flavor profile to things that have been cooked in an earthen oven. So I think there's already... If you don't want to go into the industrial scale of using a diffuser, I think it'll be tremendously interesting to see more of the makers just getting the agua miel and fermenting that directly and converting that into spirits. The problem is, and Ivan also did point that out, you need massive agaves to be able to extract pulque because you need agaves that want to create a lot of tissue that have a lot of volume. And in their effort to create tissue, they're going to throw out a lot of sap when you disrupt their process. So you wouldn't be able to do this with a potatorum or with a cupriata. You you could. You just need thousands of them. You could just get little (laughs) little, little copitas full every day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Little hicaritas. Talking about making the most exclusive possible agave spirit in the years to come. Pulque-based agave spirits. How about that? Oh, that's that's, okay. I like I've tasted a few. I thought they were fine. They weren't as delicious to me as uh, as the stuff that I tend to love. Oh, really? Which again, bring, yeah, no. Which again brings me back to the idea that maybe those ends. God, there, there was an interesting piece posted to Instagram uh, yesterday by Agaveche. Uh, uh, Some, I, I think Agavache. in Mexico City. Ag- Agavache. Um, uh, about which of the molecular elements, which of the chemicals in agave create which of the aromas? Oh, come on. No, I, I found no, it. Lou, 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 that's, that's, uh, I, I, I tried that one. It's, it's from, eh. okay, so what did they say? Because I'm angry about this already, but, but tell me. I, I, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. Okay. Should I, should we, no, should we pull no, it up? No, because it, that is, uh, when I, when I was working in, in, in Apalenque, I tried to convince them. Do you know what a chronomatographer is? Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, uh, but no, I don't. What is a chromatographer? <laughs> so you get uh, you get the spirit, you throw into that machine, and it will tell you all the different components that it has. So well, chemical, chemical components. Yes, well, all the congeners, all, all the elements that... So every time I've read an article, there's a diversity of articles about that in, in the tequila and the mezcal context. And every time you see their lists, there's... I don't know, 150 different uh, components that look like alien colonies that happen in venues. And they all they do is they try to speculate what tastes like that because it tastes like that in another context. And the next batch, if you do the same thing, it's going to have such different combinations. It's going to be a completely different puzzle. <laughs> and I, I think, at, at least in my experience, in the way I see it, sure, I, I'm absolutely sure that certain components have more significance than others. But I think that's yep. great when you have a tremendously well-calibrated production environment. I think for agave spirits, 
that's almost nonsense because you have well I, I I wouldn't go so far as to say nonsense. There has to be something to it. Uh, and and it, and maybe maybe there are so many components that it's it's impossible to say A plus B equals C. Because then combinations also create different flavors. You can have the almost the same things, but the way they combine to each other and the way they bond. And there's just so much stuff around that. I mean, if you want to give me the budget to do that, I'll be more than happy to to go ahead. <laughs> but I'm still waiting for someone that just has the setup to control for everything that needs to be controlled to really be able oh. to point what makes what. And even then, I think it's slightly useless. I, you know, I would agree. In fact, I, I, I would, I would go beyond slightly useless. I think it actually, um, it actually impedes what, what I feel is the beauty of this, which is you don't owe it for the stuff that I love. You don't always know what you're going to get. And not only that, I think it's just more complicated. I think this comes from the effort of trying to pin down a formula of the good stuff. If I have these elements, my agave spirit is going to chase like heaven. And it's not that easy, kids. I'm terribly sorry. It's not that easy. So, uh, um, well, it, it's not, but then it can be. No, it can't. You know, one, one of the frustrating things I hear all the time uh, in the work that I do in education is that no two children uh, learn in the same way, which may be true. And in fact, I would even contend is probably true. But there are general things general ways that you can group children in how they learn. Okay. And that is a productive way to look at education. And I think it's the same way here saying that every child learns differently means that in essence, you're saying you have to create a different curricula for every single child. Same thing here. Like, yes, I get that every, every spirit is going to taste a little bit different and it's going to be for different reasons. Uh, but I think there are general, general statements you can say that are generally accurate. And I think the, I think the list from Agaveche, whether it's, it's a hundred percent accurate or not, I think it's an interesting way to approach it. I love it. I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it because you can't stop me. I'm going to put it on our link page. Okay. And just to finish, I, I do think that there's a lot of research that we're lacking in terms of something that it's in that vicinity, I just wouldn't approach it that way. But that's a whole different conversation. We need to finish this right now because we've spent way too much time. Uh, I think that that's a goodbye, Luke. Okay, hasta pronto, chava. <laughs> Adios. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. Agave Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. Agave Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. 
Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly, eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.